So welcome back everyone to another episode on Take Flight Podcast. You're with myself, Pabilo Timbo, who will be doing another Take Flight Takeaway episode with you. So in today's short episode, I actually want to share with you a story on how I lost £25,000 with an investment vehicle because I really didn't understand the true definition between an asset and a liability. So the purpose of today is really to ensure that all listeners that are listening in don't make the same mistakes that I did and can make a lot more smarter financial decisions within their journey. Um, But I also think it's great to be in a position where I actually have the investment experience, I've made the mistakes, and almost sort of live to tell the story. Um, So whilst we're talking about, you know, losing £25,000, I'm actually really, really excited to share this with you because of the lessons. Now, I've mentioned this briefly in other episodes, um, but I haven't I don't think I've got into the relevant details to be able to really help you understand how do I even get to a point where I'm in a position where I'm losing around £25,000. So so to kick off, um, the story starts back when I was 22 years of age. I just moved to Switzerland. I joined a big pharma company. It was my first role. And usually what happens with, with expats is they're approached by wealth managers or wealth management companies to start you know, having conversations and talking a little bit about an investment plan for their retirement. Now, at the time, I remember thinking to myself, wow, I'm just 22. And the idea of having a wealth manager that I can sort of, you know, speak to on a regular basis is quite exciting. So I was all for the idea and definitely all for having a conversation. Um, I won't say his second name, but I can talk, I can mention his first name just, just for the story. So I remember Wayne, you know, we had our first meeting, Wayne turned up in a um, suit, he had a Breitling watch. And I was thinking, wow, all of this just for me. And so the way it works in the first meeting is, is they're there to get an idea of your profile, right? Your risk appetite, your long-term investment goals. I shared with him how much I earn today. And how much I actually want to perhaps put aside to save, to commit to sort of my vision, right? And I said to him very openly that my vision was to get my first property within the first five years of being here. I was sort of more of a medium risk person. You know, you always say, you always find yourself in the middle, not too aggressive or not too conservative. And these are sort of the information that they take on the first meeting to go back and start working on perhaps a proposal. In the second meeting, you know, Wayne came back, started pitching and presenting investment plans based on the criteria that I shared with him. So he started sharing illustrations that are 7% annually compounded, uh, 9%, 12% over a 25, you know, 30-year period. And at that time, you're so focused on that end number, right? So you're, you're thinking, okay, I'm only putting in a certain amount of money today, but at the very end, I'm going to have all this money sort of built up that I'm going to be able to take in cash. And then it's an offshore account. It's tax efficient. The jurisdiction for this one was based in the Guernsey Islands. So all of this you know, is is certainly something which sounds great and attractive. And when you're young, this is kind of the conversations that you want to be a part of, right? And I even remember saying to him at the time, he said, how much do you want to invest per month? And I was like, you know, all of it. I want to invest all of the thousand pounds that I plan to save up. And so he said, hang on a minute, let's let's start small and let's start, to, let's build it up first. And I'm glad looking back that he actually, he actually said that. So in effect, in summary, what these investment plans are is you're basically giving your money to a fund manager to allocate it across a number of different funds to invest on your behalf, right? And then um, the way these plans usually work in terms of how they're structured, it, it kind of goes through a tiering system. So the first the first step, let's say, for example, is £100. The first thing that happens to that £100 is they take their 
commission or their fees or the administration fees, right? Then the next layer to it is they then add bonuses um, for investing or bonus premiums of that nature. So, you know, but, you know, you start off with 100, not, you get, it goes to 90 because of deductions and then it goes up to 110 and then it's invested, right? So you kind of look at that structure. So in, in the end, the way it's presented is you're actually benefiting anyway. And so, and one thing I will say before I sort of go on a story, this was a legitimate investment plan. This is not a story whereby, you know, I, there was no money in this, in this account it was all real, all legitimate. These, there are hundreds of employees also in the company that have similar plans. And um, this was not one of those stories where I lost the money in this way as to why, you know, I lost the 25,000 pounds. I'll give you two lessons at this start of, at this point of the story, um, which I think is very, really important. To, to keep in mind. The first thing looking back that I should have asked him, the very first question I should have asked him was what plan, Wayne, do you have? Do you have the plan you're trying to sell me or do you have something different? And I think why I say that is because rule number one, when we're in the position of trying to create wealth, you only want to take advice from someone you want to trade places with. Now, I know he was a sales rep and he's a sales agent, but still the best person that can give me advice on this plan is someone that actually already has it. Okay, so what I could have done is said to him, show me, and I think I did actually ask him, but I don't think he came back with, with enough enough people. I said, I want to speak to three or four people that have this plan, you know, and I didn't, I don't think I asked enough hard questions at that time because you're young, you just sort of kind of go with the flow, you're listening to what they say and you're saying, okay, I like generally the concept will move forward. So that's, that's something to keep in mind. Always ask people that are proposing you an idea do you have what you're trying to sell me on? The second thing I should have really drilled down and continuously asked was, where exactly is my money being invested, right? Can you explain each fund to me? What they tend to do is send you tons of fact files with historical data that show upwards trends and you sort of get bombarded with information and you sort of hold back, or at least I did, you hold back on asking those hard questions because in the end you're thinking, well, I know the way compounding works. If I, if I just put money into a fund every single month, of course I'm going to have more at the latest stage, right? And you almost shy away from the awkwardness, right, of, of asking, you know, because I think I said to him, look, show me how these funds work and then they give you an answer, and you know the answer hasn't quite sufficed your expectations, but you sort of allow them in a way and you sort of continue the conversation. So that's that's the second lesson, right? Really drilling down and asking um, those, those tough questions. I remember asking myself, you know, on the way home and saying, what's the worst that could happen, right? Um, I'm 22 years of age. Let's get started investing now. It's, it's really about investing. So I agreed to a 25-year plan paying £556 per month. And I started that plan back in 2013. And the way the, the, the projection looked is I would have invested effectively £166,000 over a 25-year period of my own money. And then based on the illustrations, you know, the deductions, the additions, I would receive between like £400,000 based on, I think, um, the percentage that was shared at the time. You know, I was, I was at the same time, even though I had these questions, I was just, I was just actually excited to get going. So I paid five, five, six every month into an investment plan for five years, right? Now, during this time, during the, this time of having a plan, I have meetings with Wayne, um, standard meetings twice a year, but anytime I really want to talk to him, we can have a conversation just to review the progress, right? So they will talk to me, he will talk to me about the market. He will try to explain, you know, what he thinks is going to happen next. Questions like, do you want to increase your premiums? Do you want to change your risk profile? You know, things of that nature. Now, Wayne, after the 18 months of me having a plan, uh, left the, the wealth management company. And then I was assigned somebody else who at the time I believe was less competent um, than Wayne. I even started to realize because I had obviously started my investment journey, I realized based on the questions I was asking this person, I have a bit more wealth than you. So now it's even more challenging when I ask you questions about 
particular funds or even changing my allocation, do you really know what you're actually talking about? So again, that really goes back to that next lesson of mastering the art of asking hard questions to the point where even it is awkward, ask the piercing questions when it comes to your money, because it's really, really important that you understand um, what's happening. So after some time, I wasn't convinced. I, I, I started to sort of, you know, build knowledge myself. And I thought, you know, I need to look for someone else who's a bit more competent and I feel a bit more comfortable with. So I started looking for another wealth manager to manage my um, money and also the funds. And I went with someone else based on a number of recommendations. She was uh, Swiss based. So she wasn't, she was sort of closer to more associates within the company. Um, and she started looking at my plan in the first meeting. And she openly said to me that my money, you know, wasn't managed well. And one of the things that she said to me was 10% of my contributions every month was actually going into money. So I'll just repeat that again. Five, five, six each month I was paying into 10% of that was going into a money account. I don't think anyone's ever thought about investing money into money. Right. So, and as you can imagine, that was obviously a flatlining performance fund. And why it was in there was this element of trying to protect a certain allocation. So 40% goes into something a bit more risky, 30% goes into something else. And then you've got this 10% and another percentage, you know, in, in other things that you don't quite fully understand. So the strategy between equity and debts at the time wasn't clear. She was sort of breaking this down to me. She was saying, look, based on where the market's heading, you shouldn't be in these funds. Right. And so uh, she was a lot more competent. Uh, I was really more confident with her. I was asking her questions like, you know, what plan do you have? It wasn't the one I had, but she had a plan. She had, she actually had between her and her husband, half a million of cash in the bank. So now, now I'm asking the questions based on my previous experience to be with someone who actually I think is competent to be able to advise me on managing this um, situation. Um, now here's where the story gets interesting with her. Cheryl, I was a lot more confident. I was starting to understand the funds a lot more. I mean, you you know, you invest in things like you never heard of before, but you look into the details, right? Investigo, Investigo Bond Fund B or JP Morgan Small Cap C. These are the funds that is, your money's invested in. Now, where it gets interesting is I was so sure of these investment plans. I actually convinced my wife in 2017 to open up a plan of her own, right? So open up a private and at the same time, I opened up another private plan. So now we have three private investment plans, each amounting to 550, 556 a month. So you're looking at 1,600 in total. With the expectation in 25 years, we're going to achieve what it looked like 1.5 million, 2 million or, or more uh, with average return compounding over time. So, you know, similar to a pension investment fund of, of that kind of uh, vehicle and, and nature. And so now, you know, we're, we're paying in and I've got one, £1,600 a month going into these investment plans. Um, and I'm actually at this point, you know, quite um, satisfied with the activities that I've started with myself and also my wife. Now, here's where it started to turn. And I'm getting closer to now how I lost the £25,000. It's around 2017, towards the, perhaps the end of that year, is where I really started to invest more in myself. I was really listening and consuming a lot more content for the likes of Grant Cardone, Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, in 2018, I was actually reading a book a week. And I soon came to this realization, based on everything I'd been consuming, that anything that takes money out of your pocket is a cash flow liability. And anything that puts money into your pocket is actually an asset, right? So looking at it from a pure black and white standpoint, I wasn't looking at it from an accounting technical standpoint, a house as an asset. I was saying to myself, each month, what do I receive as an income and what do I actually pay into? I probably spent, like I said, a whole year, hundreds of hours investing, reading, listening to YouTube podcasts before coming to that conclusion of saying, I'm probably better off getting rid of these investment plans freeing up the £1,600 to put towards savings to, to buy another property. And I think why it also became very clear and obvious to me is because at that time, 
I bought my first property in 2015. So I was in a situation around 2017, 18, where on one hand, I'm receiving money from a property each month, no matter the amount, it was actually only two, 300 pounds around that time. And then on the other hand, I'm actually putting 1,600 pounds into an investment plan. And I remember looking at my expenses and saying to myself, this is one of the highest expenses um, that I have the money that I'm putting into this plan, right? Um, it's higher than the rent that I'm paying. So I'm having to trade my time to continue to serve this, this investment plan, which I'm only then really going to really benefit from in 25 years time. Ultimately, I was saying to myself, it's just digits on a screen that I could take out, but you don't want to take out because you want it to compound. So I was going through this process um, and I said to myself, I think another property is a better way to go. So I approach, so we're getting closer to how I lost the 25,000 pounds. I approach Cheryl and I said to her, I want to exit all of my investment plans immediately because I want to focus on saving up money to buy more property in the UK because I'm from the UK, you know, UK British national. I understand the market and I think I can do a better job managing my money in that arena. Guys, she lost it. How could you? Do you know what you're doing? You're giving up a policy that you don't, do you understand the benefits? You, do you know what your, your, like your family is benefiting from this policy? etc etc and I was so surprised and shocked at how hard she was coming down at me it made me realize and understand because I learned this in my in my career when anyone pushes back on a proposal or something of that nature it is also an indication that you're onto the right thing so actually the more she was kind of shouting at me and telling me listen are you you don't actually know what you're doing the more I was getting actually more confident that it was the right thing to do so I stuck with my plans. Um, I went ahead and I cancelled all the investment plans. And what that basically meant was in the first plan that I started, that reached £37,808. Uh, and the other two that I started with my wife, um, 2017 onwards, reached £13,536. So in total, we're looking at about £51,344. Uh, pounds. And so because there is uh, an exit fee within the first couple of years of all of these kind of investment plans, the last two plans that we started, we lost all that money. So that 13 and a half thousand pound was, was, we had to give it up in effect. And it worked out that basically that first plan I started back when I was 22, I kind of lost half of that money that was in there. So I was only getting back 26,600 pounds and I had to give up 24, 25,000 pounds. Now you can imagine at this stage, I, I had to be so sure that I was doing the right thing to be prepared to lose £25,000. It could have been a lot easier, actually, you could imagine, to be in a position where you're actually just continuing because you don't want to give up that amount of money. But looking back today, it was one of the most significant financial decisions I've ever made. I know it's life-changing for me and my family because that's going to be a lot more evident and clear over the coming years. Um, and I remember even telling my wife at the time, I said, you know that investment plan that we've I've been telling you about and I, and I told you to invest your hard-earned money into every single month? Uh, we need to cancel it. We need to exit it. And by the way, we're going to lose all the money. She looked at me as if to say, do you really know what you're doing? And I was like, I do. I'm sure. I'm sure on this. I guess one of the positive spins of this story is that I actually used the proceeds of that investment plan I exited to buy a property um, in Leeds for £91,000 in 2019, which today is worth anywhere between £130,000 and £140,000. So my equity in that deal is about £40,000 to £50,000. But that's one element of it. The real benefit of moving my money from one investment plan into the property is that every single month, that property pays me £580. And that was what I was actually in search for, to be in a position where I'm receiving money each month, no matter the amount versus actually having to put money into something, right? So, you know, from that experience, 
I remember saying to myself, before I make any investment, I'm going to ask myself three questions. When do I get paid? How often do I get paid? And can I control it to some degree? And if I don't like the answers to those questions, I may not invest a significant amount into that particular investment, for example. I may just invest 1%, 2%, 3% of the portfolio into that arena. But where I really want to have the most significant amount of my wealth is in a situation where I get paid often. Um, I, there is there is predictability in when I get paid and I can actually control it to some degree just based on how I manage the situation. So so that's the story. That's the story how how I you know started a number of investment plans and then went on that journey of understanding, is this really the right thing for me in my future? Exiting those plans, losing the £25,000 and then moving those proceeds into another investment vehicle, right? So the last couple, you know, I wanted to share this story for a couple of reasons. One, when we're building wealth, I think it's extremely important that we are acquiring cash flowing asset. A lot of times things can be perceived as assets, but they're actually taking money from your pocket. So that's for everyone in their own personal journey to figure out how they understand it and how they want to apply it. I think the second thing is every single person listening to this will at some point in their life on their way to building wealth will be approached by a wealth manager, wealth advisor, or something of that nature. And I think stories like this are really important to help you understand what are the right questions to ask, okay? Because especially for people that look like me, that come from the backgrounds that I come from, where ultimately this is foreign, right? Sitting in these rooms, talking to people about wealth is very foreign to you, but you find yourself because of your talents and your range in a position where you're making a lot of money. So how do you manage that world that it benefits you and your family? And I think the final thing I really want to stress on is if you, you know, if you go back and listen to the story, what was really the turning point was that personal education, right? So investing in myself. If I did not invest in myself, reading, listening, podcasts, and, and following people that actually created wealth, I wouldn't have made a change. I would have left that plan as it is and hope that it would have actually, you know, returned well in the coming years. So searching for that knowledge, seeking for, for more information can really help you to make the best decisions. And I think when we're talking about wealth creation, we're really talking about wanting to be as active as possible and not outsourcing your financial success to somebody else. I think what's important is being in a position ideally where you can own it yourself. So there it is, guys, the story on how I lost £25,000. I think um, it's a story that is important to share. I think it's it's a it's a game changer for me in my journey, in my life, because now I'm in a position where, you know, I own multiple properties, a multi-million pound portfolio. You know, I think I got to this point because of stories and situations like that. But yes, again, I really want you to connect and engage with me on this, on this particular topic, share your thoughts and ideas. You can connect with me on my Instagram page at Pabilo Timbo. Or again, at Take Flight Podcast, you can find us on Instagram. Thank you for listening. I hope that episode um, helps you in your thinking, in your journey to create wealth. Take off, take flight with you. Yeah. Fool, we never fly, but we're flying.